Welcome to Smith Weekly Discussions, an occasional program for our readers and listeners of Smith Weekly Research. Please note this program is a private discussion and everything contained herein is for entertainment and educational purposes only. With that, we hope you're in a comfortable position, along with your favorite beverage, to enjoy the discussion. We remind our audience to examine the show notes attached to each of our shows to better understand how our program functions. Before we get into our discussion, we want to say thanks for questions coming from our audience at Smith Weekly, including Dave V and Paul M. Scott Hicks is our guest today. Scott is CEO and Director of Strategic Resources, a vanadium-focused company with advanced stage exploration projects in Finland and also in Peru. Strategic Resources is a Lumina Group company. Strategic is listed on the Toronto Venture Exchange under the symbol SR and also on the US OTC markets under the symbol SCCFF. Scott, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Andrew. Well, Scott, you've been on the show before, but since you are introducing strategic resources to us, can you introduce yourself to the audience and give us your background in the natural resource sector? Yeah, no problem. I was an investment banker for 10 years uh, at BMO Capital Markets and RBC Capital Markets, working uh, exclusively in the mining sector. I came over to join the Lumina Group about three years ago to work with Ross Beattie, Marshall Koval, uh, Leo Hathaway, and the rest of the team. And so far, you know, we've sold uh, Anfield Gold since I've been there, which is now part of Equinox Gold. Um, we've worked on Lumina Gold and advanced that project substantially. Now it's sitting at about a 17 million ounce gold resource, believe it or not. And then we've spun out Luminex Resources, uh, which holds uh, some of our partnerships with uh, BHP, Anglo-American, and our Condor project. And now we've just started this new company, um, basically from scratch here, Strategic Resources, and uh, it's a play on the vanadium space and the vanadium market. Well, Scott, let's move to vanadium. Can you give us your thoughts on the market for vanadium? And do you see this market is fundamentally different over how this market has behaved over the last few decades? You know, obviously last year, um, in early 2019, late 2018, we saw the prices of vanadium run up fairly substantially. And the main driver there was really China changing their rebar standards and people getting way ahead of, frankly, where the price um, probably should have been. You know, in these tighter, smaller markets, you can often see these huge run-ups like you saw in cobalt and, and like you saw in vanadium. But the reality is China is trying to move to better construction standards and, and higher grade rebar and, and vanadium as a, as a strengthening um, component is, is key for that. So what we've seen is unfortunately a bit of delay in China enforcing those standards despite putting them in place. So prices have fallen back here, but we think there's a fundamental floor in and around the level we're at now. And what we're looking to see is growth in that rebar market and kind of call it the core use of vanadium that'll provide um, just a normal, call it whatever your GDP level of growth is in the market. And, and it's only about 100,000 ton a year market. So it's not, not huge here. And then, you know, what we're excited about is really the potential for growth in the vanadium redox battery market. Now, it's a technology that's been around for a while, but there's a bunch of companies working on building batteries in that space. And we think that it's a, it's a unique solution for grid scale storage. 
do that 10 times fast. And, you know, people will be starting to implement that on uh, solar arrays, on, on wind farms, so that uh, they can provide power when there's not sun and not wind. And these batteries have a distinct advantage over their lithium competitors if you look at it in a, in a longer term cycle. And what I mean by that is uh, lithium batteries typically degrade after five to seven years. And the only way to deal with that is to put, you know, additional batteries that are fresh in the battery bank. But uh, vanadium batteries typically last for about 20 years. And it's a lot easier to recycle all the material of value uh, at the end. So we're, we're excited about that segment. And, you know, we think if that provides the incremental growth in a small, tight market, uh, that should allow for some price appreciation um, and overall growth. And, and what that'll require really is, is new primary projects coming online. So the group obviously has a history of getting, trying to get ahead of some of these trends uh, as we did in copper um, back in the day. And um, that's what we're doing right now is putting together, you know, early stage vanadium projects that we can acquire at reasonable prices into, uh, into strategic and, and trying to keep in, in tier one jurisdictions in the world. You know, in the battery market, if you can get to 20 years life out of a battery, that's substantial. I mean, the amount of waste that is occurring right now with the current battery market um, that we're seeing coming from the renewable side primarily now, and of course, consumer waste, it is substantial um, and it hasn't been addressed. And that's one of the big downfalls of things like, you know, the so-called green and renewable energies is the battery usage, um, which is a huge problem. So if, if, if the technology is able to get there to where we're 20 years, you don't need to replace a battery. That's just absolutely impressive. So let's talk a little bit about strategic resources. I know you covered it just a little bit here for a moment, but can you take us back to the conversations that took place with management? Who and what caused this driving decision to start up this company with a focus on vanadium at this point in time in the market? So, I mean, we had looked in a couple areas and, you know, Ross has a fundamental view on a lot of these metals I'm about to mention. Um, so we had looked in cobalt and we, we liked cobalt as far as the price and, and market dynamics going forward. Um, but what was challenging for us was finding good projects, um, which is, which is kind of the problem with cobalt and, um, you know, good projects in good jurisdictions. And also we noticed that, you know, there was a big push to try to not eliminate it, but engineer batteries such that, um, you know, it's, it's using as little cobalt as possible. So after call it a six month search on that front, we, we decided, you know, not to pursue that angle anymore. Um, we're still obviously very bullish on copper as it relates to battery metals. Um, we have, you know, significant amounts of copper in our portfolio and in Lumina and Luminex, and we're, we're very bullish on that. When we looked at lithium, you know, there's no doubt that the demand for lithium is going to increase. There's no doubt that there'll be price spikes for lithium over time as there's supply shortages. But fundamentally, there's a lot of lithium in the world. And, you know, we think that it's just not a niche enough um, area and the price volatility over time will be will be substantial. Um, so it wasn't an area we wanted to focus in. 
you know, Vanadium was appealing to us just because we had some interesting deals come up and and opportunities in Finland. Um, we view Finland as a, as a great place to operate and obviously a tier one jurisdiction. And, um, you know, we, as I mentioned earlier, I, we think it's a tight market and just a little bit of growth in either the base demand that it's typically used for or in this battery segment um, can really provide a lot of price support. And as far as production of vanadium goes, you know, only about 20% of the market is actually provided by primary vanadium mines right now. So a lot of it's a byproduct of steel production and, um, you know, other secondary sources. So we viewed that the growth was going to have to come from, from primary mines. And, uh, and that's where we chose to focus. Well, let's talk a little bit more details on the company. Can you speak to the capital structure of the company, including the shares outstanding, key management members, cash on hand, and major shareholders? So when we put the company together last year, we closed the deal in, in June 2019. We raised just under $4 million Canadian at uh, 23 cents a share. At that time, there was really nothing else in the company. So those proceeds were to fund um, the purchase price for our earn-in agreements on two different properties in Finland and uh, working capital for the year and some some money for drilling. And really, that's taken us through to where, where we are now. Um, what we're most excited about is is the project that we've just announced putting into the company. Um, it's, it's called the Mustavara Mine, uh, and it was a past producer. Um, so we were able to acquire that here for about 150,000 euros um, out of uh, a bankruptcy process. And I talk more about that later, but finishing uh, your question there, um, the cap structure of the company right now, we're sitting at about 31 million shares outstanding after the financing last year, um, plus the existing capital. Um, management of the Lumina Group plus Ross holds about 23% of the company. Uh, Orion Resources is one of the companies we are earning into their property on. Uh, they own just under 10. Similarly, Magnus Minerals uh, would be just under 10% as well, and we're earning into one of their properties. So, you know, it's it's a fairly tight share structure, and, you know, we kind of know where over 50% of the shares sit um, just from, from the financing and and uh, and the groups that hold it now, I should say, probably over you know 75% of the shares, we know where they sit, but 50% is with five groups. So tight share structure. Um, we'll look to come back to the market later this year to to raise money for advancing uh, Mustavara, which we now think is kind of our flagship project here. And happy to talk more about that. Absolutely. Now, where does management uh, own shares at right now and the major insiders? Is it correct to say that everybody's at around 23 cents or where, where does that stand today? Ross put in just under a million dollars at that 23 cent financing. The rest of management would have come in when it was a shell, um, maybe in around between five and seven cents when uh, we were looking at a variety of different opportunities for the company. So that would be the general cost base for everyone. So Ross would have been in at that that lower level as well. And then, you know, basically everyone participated in the in the three point seven million dollar round last June. 
And Scott, can you speak to the capital needs of the company for the remainder of 2020? And I think you spoke to it, or this will bring up Mustavara. What is the key project focus for the company in 2020, and what are the plans? If you think about the earnings quickly, um, you know, we had two years to spend money on our, our Magnus Minerals earning, and we had a year to spend a uh, million dollars on the Orion earning, which is the Sela Selka property. And then at Mustavara, the nice thing is we've got uh, a fair bit of time here, the way we've structured the deal. And what I mean by that is um, the way uh, mineral concessions work in Finland, you start out at what's called the reservation stage, and then you put in for an exploration application and, and then license. And during that reservation stage, you don't actually have any land holding costs. So it's it's nice from that perspective. And because we acquired the um, intellectual property and existing core and drill database, all that type of work with the project, um, we think that a lot of the work we're going to do with Mustavara at this stage is, is going to be more desktop based um, and hopefully avoid near term um, incremental drilling. And the reason I say that is, you know, we have a large existing resource base there already. So the project uh, had been taken to PFS in 2012 and really had an existing um, jork level reserve out of about 100 million tons. So, you know, we're going to work to update that resource and bring it into 43101. And then we're going to work to update an economic study on it uh, that'll give people a sense of, you know, the, the scale and the potential for the project um, that we can, you know, publicly disclose. So to answer your question in a, in a long-winded way, you know, we'll need some money for drilling of, of Sela Selka, and we'll need um, money for updating the the PEA study at Mustavara, and that's budgeting work that's ongoing right now. You know, drill costs in Finland these days are about 300 to $350 a meter Canadian, 200 to $250 a meter uh, Euro. So that's work that will need to be done this year. Okay. So you've got renewal of some of the studies at, at Mustavara and then the earn-in agreements. You guys are just spending what's required to, to maintain those earn-in agreements in good standing during 2020, correct? That's correct. Yeah. Now, Scott, let's come back just a little bit and let's talk a little bit about Mustavara here because I think that's where probably you guys are focused. But what's management's goal in terms of economic feasibility for these projects? So historically, Vanadium has spent most of its time conservatively below $8 per pound um, over a long period of time. So with Vanadium at current prices and considering the titanium iron ore credits at Mustavara, can you give us a ballpark of what management is targeting for a vanadium price? Are you guys looking at stuff that's higher vanadium prices? Are you guys looking at stuff that's right around current prices that's economically feasible? Yeah, I mean, we're looking at stuff that it would be in the money or, you know, close to in the money, call it from a current vanadium price standpoint. So, you know, and obviously we need to go and refresh and redo all, all the work around what I'm about to say. So, you know, heavy caveat to, to your listeners, but um, the PFS that was done on this project previously um, that was positive was run at, call it $30 a kilogram ferrovanadium, vanadium, and then obviously had some pig iron credits, but didn't have any value for titanium. 
So, you know, we're thinking that, and, and just for your viewers, uh, you know, Faro Vanadium sitting at about $28 a kilogram right now. So it's a very close to what that study was, was run at. Now we're going to look at what the optimal product is here um, and, and think about that when we refresh the study. So Faro Vanadium is an option. V205 is an option. Um, so it really depends what, what market you want to be selling your product into. And, and that's work that we will look at what the kind of optimal scenario is when we update the study. We're not looking at projects that, you know, need a 10 or, or $15 vanadium price. We're, we're trying to find things that, that work in and around the current prices. Now, obviously, you know, when it got down to five, that's going to get tight for every primary producer out there. And, and you're not going to see a lot of new primary production coming online. But, uh, you know, we think that the, the equilibrium price will be will be higher going forward. Scott, as you know, there are a few other vanadium companies competing for investor capital at this point. What advantages does Strategic have over peer companies that are also focused on vanadium from both a project-specific standpoint, access to capital standpoint, and a jurisdictional standpoint? You know, I mean, I think from a jurisdiction standpoint, we're obviously, you know, in a mining-friendly jurisdiction, not too far from port, goods, power rates, you know, these are all things that are, are pretty key. Um, access to the European markets, access to the Asian markets. So, I mean, these are all, these are all going to be very important drivers when you think about um, vanadium and, and steel making applications. Um, you know, project wise, we've decided to focus really on uh, VMT deposits. So vanadium magnetite titanium deposits. A lot of our um, peers out there might be taking a different approach and looking at these very large scale um, shale deposits. You know, we're not as optimistic on that. Um, we think there's a lot of complexities around the, the metallurgy there and and potential for, um, you know, substantial operating cost overruns on some of those deposits. Um, that's, that's our internal view right now. You know, things evolve and you have to look at things on a project by project basis, but that's that's where we're looking is in the in the VMT space. Um, yeah, so I mean, I think between um, the the projects we picked up at what we consider to be very attractive prices um, and the jurisdictions we focus on, we're trying to create a, a pretty uh, interesting value proposition for investors. I mean, to get a project like Mustavara for um, you know, 150,000 euros, um, and, and obviously we're still we still need to wait for it to close here in Q2. But um, I mean, that is a as a very attractive entry level um, and provides a, a fair amount of error error for margin margin for error. Um, you know, on the on the other side of things. So um, yeah, we're excited about about that entry point and using that as really a base for for our Finland. Uh, Finland pursuits. Access to capital for you guys should be a fairly easy hurdle in light of any market condition, whether things improve in the broad market from here and things smooth out or if things turn more sour. I think you guys probably have a good proposition to continue even in a market that's not very suitable in the short term. Can you speak to the timeline and strategy for strategic? Are you guys looking to get these projects, uh, specifically Mustavara, advanced fairly quickly? And what do you see as 
just give us if you could give us the next you know give us a timeline on how you guys will see this going and then also what's kind of the end game for strategic is this something that you guys are going to fix up build an asset and look for a sell-off to a bigger company group's model historically would have definitely been to you know de-risk and then look to monetize um you know i think the vanadium market's a bit more unique in the sense that right now there's only two publicly listed primary producers to speak of, um, which would be which would be Largo uh, in Brazil and uh, Bushveld in in South Africa. So I, you know I think we're going to evaluate that as we go along. But in the near to midterm, the plan is to definitely um, you know follow the mold, which is which is to you know take these projects down the, the path and, and de-risk it as much as we can and see where we go with the market and and with you know how the other primary producers are look to diversify right so you know if you think about where these deposits sit in the world you've got brazil south africa australia and then you know finland where we are and there's some other assets obviously in canada that are that are lower grades they may be more iron focused more versus vanadium focused um but uh you know we we're going to continue to look and and look to build the asset base in in these good jurisdictions where where we think there's good projects and you know i'd say this is a it's a very early uh stage uh for the company right now um mustabara was kind of the first main step in putting in a, a serious asset and, and obviously we're we're excited about the grades we're seeing at sea selka from past drilling um as well and thinking about a bit of a hub and spoke model in finland but um, you know, in the kind of next 12 months, it's it's really going to be about uh, Mustavara and then other M&A that makes sense. And can you speak to the non-primary producers, the bigger companies who have vanadium coming out as a byproduct of other operations? Do you can you name a couple of those companies that you see out there, Scott? And then also, if the vanadium price is attractive going forward do you see some of those secondary suppliers looking to add to their portfolio yeah so i mean you've got glencore would be the kind of call it next biggest western producer at about five thousand tons a year um you know but everybody else is really in russia or china um there's not a lot of call it western world um production right now and i think you know the ability for the steel guys to produce more is is somewhat limited given its its secondary or, or co-product so i think that's where the opportunity comes in for some from some new primary production and you know i think obviously there's been quite a price shock here in the last year to the downside but i think once that all settles out i'm sure largo and bushveld will respectively look to expand in the space and and grow their businesses and grow their companies um you know they both have different expansions planned and and I'm sure at some point we'll look to venture out of their core jurisdictions as well, um especially if we see a bit of a rebound in the prices and and some stability in the market here. Why should potential investors who are listening consider strategic resources as one of their vanadium exposure vehicles? What would you say to them, Scott? You know, I think the biggest thing at this stage and the biggest reason for people to invest is our group's ability to go and source transactions. And, you know, we obviously have very deep ties and roots in in South America, um, where we're selectively looking 
and and really a global network of people that are bringing us opportunities and deals that you know we think uh, we're uniquely positioned to take advantage of. I think Moose of ours is a great example of that, um, and we look to do other deals that um, you know will build long-term value for the company at reasonable prices while valuations are depressed here. Scott, and the best way for the audience to reach out to you and to the company? Uh, so the website is strategic-res.com, and you can reach me at shicks at luminacapital.ca if anyone has any questions on uh, on the company or for Strategic or for any of our companies at the Lumina Group. All right, sir. Well, thanks for coming on, and uh, we're looking forward to watching the company and also look forward to chatting again soon. Great. Thanks very much, Andrew. Appreciate the time, and uh, hopefully we'll have a lot more details on the projects uh, next time we talk once we've put our heads to work product.